From the intuitive business coaching of Nancy O'Keefe comes business success with human design. Join us every Thursday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. to talk about how business owners are using their human design to create a business that aligns with their life's work, how they're wired to operate, and how they're here to serve so they can return to the joy of running a business that feeds their soul. There isn't one right way to conduct business, but there is one right way for you. Nancy has helped hundreds of business owners redefine success their way. Welcome, I'm Nancy O'Keefe, human design specialist and intuitive business coach. And you're listening to Business Success with Human Design on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. We broadcast every Thursday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern. You can listen online, on your mobile device, in your car, or ask Alexa to play Dream Vision 7 radio. To learn more or follow a full program schedule, go to dreamvision7radio.com. Today, we're going to talk about creating successful business or personal conversations and how human design can help us better understand others and create conversations that work and create success. So what I'd like to cover today is how human design enters into building relationships and creating good conversations because we're respecting what each other brings to the table. So better conversations are built when we have better working relationships. And when we establish safe places to share ideas where we're free to express ourselves without ridicule or retribution. And it's about establishing trust and eliminating distrust, uh, fear that you won't do what you say, and creating an environment of mutual respect. So poor conversations can lead to team members never gelling. Conflict can arise easily. Team members feel like their input doesn't matter. Or feedback can be nitpicky, or we can get stuck on perfect versus making progress. Ideas can become stale or team members not engaged. And projects don't stay on track, on time, on budget, or lead to solving the problem at all. So conversations are the basis for getting things done. And it's very important to understand all of the elements that create good conversations. So let's start with a little bit of brain science. What's the brain got to do with it? Well, everything, because there are different parts of our brain that kick in depending on what's going on around us. Fear lives in the area of the brain where it, it's creating cortisol, a hormone that is like a warning system. And if you have fear or there's power involved, power struggles, uncertainty, some people are uh, pushing to be right, or there's group think with where people are just going along with the group and not really expressing all the opinions. Those kinds of things can create distrust and fear. And that releases that cortisol hormone in your brain. And that prevents us from having really good, open and trustworthy conversations. So what we need to do is build a trust network. And a trust network exists when we have transparency, 
there's relationship, there's mutual understanding, there's shared success, and there's truth-telling. And when that happens, then we're in the front part of the brain, above the forehead there, the prefrontal cortex. And that's where the, hor the hormone oxytocin gets released, which is the feel-good hormone. And that creates a, a place where people can really create from. You can't create from fear. You can only create when you're in the prefrontal cortex of the brain. So conversations then are chemical. They release chemicals in our body. And some of the stressful or, you know, arousal or, you know, perhaps not so good um, chemicals are the cortisol, adrenaline, although that's meant to help us uh, get out of the way in a stressful situation. Um, and on the other side of the fence, the good chemicals that connect us and to pleasure and help us feel calm are the oxytocin, the dopamine, the serotonin, and you've, I'm sure, heard of those. So we want to be in a position to create those hormones, and that's what gives us the ability to build good relationships and create the kind of conversations that we need to to get things done. Now, you have an aura. I'm sure everybody's heard of that. And your aura goes out about 10 feet from your actual physical body. So when you walk into a room, your aura precedes you. People can feel your energy before you open your mouth or do anything, say a word or make any action whatsoever. So we want to be sure that we understand that a first impression is made very quickly, sometimes before we even get in the room. But the statistic that I've heard most recently is in about seven seconds. So your energy feels field enters the room before you do and your brain is constantly scanning areas for threats that's a biological response that dates back to the beginning of man your brain is constantly scanning the area to size up threats and protect you from them people are sizing you up as well as you sizing up others and the environment and this all happens subconsciously before you ever introduce yourself your verbal, your nonverbal, and your energetic communication is going to do one of two things. It's either going to open people up if there's no threat perceived, or it's going to close people down if there is danger or a perceived threat. And you can imagine if you're closing people down, you're not going to get the kind of conversations going that you need to to get things done. And this is a hardwired response in the brain you actually have little or no control over it. Now, we've all heard about adrenaline and, you know, friend or foe and, you know, the saber-toothed tiger. The adrenaline is there to help you recognize a threat and respond to it. And that's where our fight or flight hormone lives. So if there's a threat, originally people would either run or they would fight. So today we don't have a lot of saber-toothed tigers in the office, but we still see fight, flight, freeze, and appease, which are two new ones that, um, you know, help us understand whether we're being perceived as a threat. So if you notice people are arguing with you and resisting what you're talking about, that is the fight hormone in action in the modern day world. 
you're being perceived as a threat. So if people are leaving physically or mentally, which means they might leave the room or they might physically, I mean, mentally leave the room by getting on their phone or rustling their papers or chatting with somebody else. Those are flight responses. They feel threatened. If they freeze, they're unable to act or think. They're just sort of paralyzed. That's another indication that you're a perceived threat. Or it could be appeased. People that are constantly apologizing, even when they didn't do anything wrong. They're being too nice. They're always sorry. That's a response to a threat. So if you're being perceived as a threat, that's coming from your behavior and your energy before you perhaps even open your mouth. So people live in a, a variety of different states. They live in a resistant state on one side of the spectrum, and they live in a co-creation state on the other side. And in between, there's the skeptic, the wait and see, and the experimenter. So when we think about getting from one side of the spectrum to the other, listening is a key skill that we can use to help ourselves get from one side to the other. Now, there's a couple of different types of conversations. Um, we have what we call level one conversations, and they're really there to confirm what we know. We have level two conversations that we use when we want to defend what we know, defend that we're right. And level three conversations are where we're actually in conversation and we're there to discover what we don't know and learn about each other. So we always want to strive for a level three conversation. Unfortunately, that doesn't always occur. When we have a um, level one conversation, this is about asking and telling. It's about a transactional conversation. Level two is positional. It's about navigating the conversation. Um, inquiring and advocating, making your agenda known. But level three conversations are transformational. That's where we really grow. And we do that because we're listening and we're engaging in a way that doesn't have an agenda and isn't transactional. Sometimes we make mistakes like the tell, sell, yell syndrome in our conversations, where we're, you know, really selling what we're doing and not having a conversation because a conversation is a two-way street. It's about talking and it's about how what you say lands on the person, how they're hearing it, how they're listening. And if you don't have success on both ends, you don't really have a conversation. Another mistake people make is they're addicted to being right and they have to push their level two defend their position sort of conversation, which is not really going to be conducive to having a good conversation and it's most likely going to create conflict. That is something that definitely creates the cortisol addicted to being right. You're pushing your own agenda to the point where you're probably annoying people. So threats, we talk about threats. What, what do we do to become threatening to others? It's a, our tone and our voice. It's whether or not we're rejecting their ideas or humiliating them in some way. It's whether we're excluding them from the conversation. They're not on the inner track. 
It's whether we have anger that we're expressing. And anger can be expressed energetically before you ever say a word. It's whether we're practicing territorial kind of posturing. And it's, a, and it's status. Status can be another thing that creates threats. I'm better than you. I'm in charge. You're not. Those kinds of things all create the perception that you are a threat to that other person. And when you are a threat, you're not going to be perceived well and you're going to close people down. Some of the things that are threatening that we say is, well, that was not good enough or you don't get it, do you? Or any idiot could figure this out or you're always so negative. That will never work. And those kinds of things can be turned around and, and be made more gentle and more and less threatening. Um, for example, instead of saying, you don't get it, do you? What about saying, what would you like to know more about? Or let's talk about how you can crack the code on this. Or you seem to have a different perspective. I'd be interested in hearing it. Walk me through your thought process. Those are the kinds of statements that open people up and help them to be a part of an actual conversation. So to regulate cortisol and keep it out of the brain so that we don't um, you know, get into the situation where we're closed down, we wanna include people. We wanna show appreciation for their point of view, even if we don't agree with it. We wanna expand and be sharing with them. We wanna be in discovering mode and developing, and we want to have celebrations for the milestones that we make. We don't want to exclude people or use judging or criticism or limit things or withhold information or pretend we know something they don't or dictate the way things should be. All of those things create the perceived threat and create cortisol in the brain, which closes people down and prevents them from having a good conversation with you. So we want to go to those level three conversations because those are where people can co-create and where the brain activity is associated with the oxytocin and that feeling of happy, safe, and calm. It's where we can have transformational conversations and actually get something done or create something new. And to do this, it increases your know, like, and trust. So you won't be perceived as a threat. You'll be perceived as someone who is there to help and is there to further the problem solving that you're doing in your work, on your team, wherever you are. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about know, like, and trust in a little more detail and what human design has to do with all of this. Are you struggling to build an abundant and sustainable business you love? Discover the three keys to unlock your business success with human design. Get aligned with your life purpose and your life's work. Get in the flow of success. Nancy O'Keefe, certified human design specialist, intuitive business coach, helps women peel back the layers of how they've been told to do business so they can build an abundant business that feeds their soul. Nancy knows firsthand that energetic alignment is key to success. 
She divinely designed her life and went from receptionist to company VP and on to founder, CEO of her own multi-seven-figure firm. Nancy's been coaching business owners for over 25 years to find their personal formula for success. Download your free report at nancyokeefecoaching.com. Can't seem to get in the flow of consistent clients and consistent income? People do business with people they know, like, and trust. How can clients know, like, and trust you if you're not showing up authentically? Discover your unique human design and attract the clients you were meant to serve. Nancy O'Keefe, Certified Human Design Specialist, Intuitive Business Coach, helps women peel back the layers of who they've been taught to be, to reveal who they truly are, so they can build an abundant business that feeds their soul. Nancy has been coaching business owners for over 25 years and is passionate about helping them to understand their divine design and their personal formula for success. Book your human design reading today at nancyokeefecoaching.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. So let's talk about the like factor for a minute. When you encounter someone new, an energetic attraction to that other person occurs. It's a chemical thing. We've already realized that. And if there's little or no energetic attraction, the chances are that there will be no connection and thus no chance for a real relationship. You simply won't be interested in the other person or having a relationship with them. And again, this is a chemical reaction. You don't have to do a lot or say a lot to decide who is attracted to you and who isn't. It just happens energetically. So you have little or no say over it. But if you do like someone, they're not perceived as a threat and you want to get to know them a little bit better, then what you've got to do is have the no factor. And the no factor is a period of listening, watching, conversing, and interacting so you can explore the other person and get to know them. It takes time to get to know them. And one of the big problems that we have in business is that people really shortcut this step. They just dive right in and talk about whatever they want to talk about, whether the person is interested or not. And you really need to get to know them in order to serve them. And they need to get to know you to understand whether or not you're somebody they want to do business with. Now, this can happen in one conversation. Or it can take more time. And this is dependent on the relationship that's being explored. So if if you sell widgets, it doesn't take a lot of relationship to know whether you want to buy one or not. But if you're talking about financial issues or health issues or something that's more vulnerable or requires the person to release more personal information, then they must have a bigger no than if you're selling widgets. That phase can take much longer. The person has to get to know you much better. And finally, the trust factor happens over time as well. And it's based on the way your words, your actions, and your energy align. If they are in alignment, trust begins to form. If there's misalignment between what a person says and what they do, 
and the energy you naturally fear feel from them or they feel from you, then a feeling of mistrust will be created because inauthenticity is detected. So we want to be authentic. That's part of trust. But more importantly, we want to be in a position to say what we're going to do and do what we say we're going to do. So to increase your know, like, and trust factor, you want to be authentic. And that's where human design really comes in to help you. There has to be consistency between what people see and feel and what you say and do. You also need to raise your energetic frequency. And you do that by living in the highest expression of your human design energies and not dwelling in the shadow side of your energies. However, we all have conditioning. We all have trauma. We all have memories that um, were maybe not so good that cause us to sometimes live in the shadow side of energy. So we want to explore and do the inner work around those so that we know we're living in our highest potential. And you also need to follow your human design strategy because that's how we assure you're going to be seen and heard in the world. So conversational tools that open people up are creating a safe and trusting environment for the conversation to, to even occur. And that environment has to have transparency in it. You have to be truthful, respectful of people, respectful of their time. There should be rules of engagement that are established before the meeting or the conversation. So people understand how to interact with one another. Don't have a hidden agenda and don't bring criticism and judgment to the meeting. Be open. If you expect others to be open, you need to be open as well. Asking questions is a great tool for opening people up. Asking questions you truly care about the answers to rather than telling them or asking questions just so that you can know what you're going to say next in response. That's a big one that people use. Uh, just asking a question and then thinking about the answer instead of really listening to the other person to hear what they're saying. When you listen, listen deeply. It's like drilling down on the conversation to learn more without judgment. Try to let curiosity replace judgment. Be in a position where you're really interested in what the other person is saying. That builds trust quicker than anything else. If somebody feels listened to and heard, they are going to feel almost like you're wrapping them up in a big hug. That is a powerful emotional energy that people are lacking today. The ability to be heard and seen and really feel listened to. If the conversation gets off track or stops flowing, you can refocus in or reframe things or ask a question for clarification. And that helps things keep going. But keep it neutral. Try not to polarize it with your opinion. At this point, you're really just trying to understand and get to know the person and open them up for further conversation. Now, there's a lot of emotional intelligence that really needs to go into conversations. And emotional intelligence is your ability to recognize your own emotions and control them and recognize the emotions of others. You can perceive emotions by looking at people's faces, especially their eyes. Is there tension in their face? Are their eyes wrinkled up? Is their jaw set? 
And how about their voices? Are they calm and melodic or are they feeling rapid, chaotic or loud in intensity? And the body language is important too. Are their arms open or crossed? Are they sitting in a position that says, hey, I'm wel welcoming this conversation? Or are they crunched out and shut down? All of these things help you notice what state people are in and help you deal with them in a way that respects where they are. So you now also need to manage your own emotions. Understand what triggers you. And try not to let yourself be triggered. Because if you can't demonstrate self-control, things can get out of hand in a conversation pretty quick, quickly. And the other piece of emotional intelligence that's important is to use empathy and compassion. Understand where the person's coming from. Even if you disagree with their point of view, put yourself in their shoes and try and understand where they're coming from and why they may be thinking that way. They probably have really good reasons. They just may not be reasons you share. So have some compassion and some understanding. In order to work things out and come to a transformational conversation, you have to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. But what we normally do is we go up what's called the ladder of conclusions. We start out with a conversation and we have a biochemical reaction in our body. We get feelings from that. And if we can't use emotional intelligence to control and manage our feelings, we start making stuff up. We have assumptions, interpretations. We put meaning around things that's not even there. And that creates new thoughts and new beliefs, usually on the negative side. And the next step is to draw a bunch of conclusions from information that we made up. So as you can see, the ladder of conclusions usually takes us to a place where we are closed down and not open for conversations. So try and control those biochemical reactions and those feelings you get from them and stop putting meaning around things that really isn't there. That's how we get ourselves into trouble. 85% of your success is due to your personality traits and your ability to communicate, negotiate, and lead. And you don't have to be a formal leader to be in a leadership position. What is leadership? It's really just about getting people on board, helping them see your point of view, perhaps persuading them with your negotiations or your points uh, to go your way. And that's what's important in communication. Only 15% rather of good success in your work life is from your technical knowledge. And that statistic comes from the Carnegie Institute of Science. They say 85% is due to your personality and those other skills. So I've mentioned leadership. I'd like to talk about leadership presence for just a minute. Um, your leadership presence, and you do have one, whether you're a leader or not, because leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that your impact lasts in your absence. Whether that's your opinion on a report or how to approach a problem or leading a team, it doesn't matter. You are a leader in some fashion. Everyone is. The next thing that we can talk about with leadership presence is 
what is your human design doing to help you identify your presence and embrace it? There's a lot we can learn about ourselves from human design, and it can help us see where we are leaders. Now, your human design does this by defining your authority, helping you see how authentic you are. Are you living in the highest expression of who you are? Or are you hiding in the shadows or hiding permanently? It's how you're seen and heard by others. Our, our profile shares that information. It helps us see how we can make our biggest impact by, by following our life purpose. And it shows us the language we speak based on our energy type and how we can be seen and heard by others. So those are all important aspects of conversation and leadership. So I'd like to share with you the four fundamentals of leadership presence and the impact you make. There's authentic leadership, which is knowing yourself and what leadership advantages you bring to the table and knowing how you and the situation can benefit from what you bring. Emotional intelligence, we've already talked about that a little bit. Being able to express and manage your emotions, always bringing your best self to a situation and allowing others to do the same. Conversational leadership, being open in your communications, which is what we've been talking about so far. Listening to others without judgment and without um, having a preconceived notion and building relationships of trust. Purposeful leadership, being able to bring out the best in others and create an inclusive environment of respect and trust where you add value to others. Practicing good leadership presence builds communication skills and better working relationships. And that's what we're after. So the best way to have authentic leadership is to be yourself. And how do we do that? We honor our energy type and we serve others based on their energy type. We use our strategy. Your strategy in human design is your rudder for how you're meant to navigate the world. Use your decision-making authority to make aligned choices and to trust your instincts. And use your life purpose as a compass that guides you to contribute what you came here to share with the world. And most importantly, learn enough about human design so that you can recognize the types of others and honor that type by communicating and working with them in a way that they want to be worked with. So honoring your energy type, what does that mean? It improves your attraction because you're being authentic. It improves that know, like, and trust factor. And the communication and the understanding will be better because you're being yourself. It's more open. People can sense that you're really being you. There's no mistrust developing there. And it can be the roadmap for creating, you know, the right way to go for you. Now, your strategy, remember we said that a manifester is, um, uses their strategy of initiate and inform. A generator, both generator types use respond. The projector needs an invitation and the reflector needs to be with the right people 
in the right situation at the right time. And when you use this strategy, it's your most effective way of being and interacting with the world. It improves your ability to be seen, heard, and recognized. It connects your energy field with the flow of life. And it helps you attract the right people, opportunities, and environments into your work world, into your business. Next, use your decision-making authority to make aligned choices and trust your instincts. There are no decisions that any type makes in the head. I'm sure you've heard me say that before. We're taught to think, to make decisions using logic, pros and cons, but that isn't actually how any of the energy types are meant to make decisions. We're meant to make decisions in the part of our body, our decision-making center, where our authority lives. It might be your spleen. It might be your emotional solar plexus. It might be your sacral. It might be talking it out with others. It's all dependent on your human design configuration. So we need to be sure that we're making those aligned choices by feeling it in our body. It's not about thinking. It's about feeling it where we're meant to feel it. And finally, your life purpose is your compass that guides you to contribute what you came here to share with the world. When you do that, you're going to be more open. You're going to be more passionate. You're going to be more attractive to others. You're going to have higher self-worth and self-confidence. And you have all the skills and talents in your chart to help you succeed in living out that life purpose, which, by the way, is also your life's work. And when you are successful in accomplishing that, that really helps you feed your soul. Now, your energy naturally speaks to other people. We talked about how your energy enters the room before you do. So manifestors have initiating energy. And they speak the language of creativity and new ideas. That doesn't mean the other types aren't creative. Generators have magnetic energy. They speak the language of passion, enthusiasm, and getting things done. Projectors have guiding energy. It's a penetrating energy. They can see into others, and they gain insights from them. So projectors speak the language of what's possible or what might be stopping you or blocking you and the language of building relationships when they're following their strategy. Reflectors have mirror energy, and they speak the language of how we're all doing. They give us feedback. They give us feedback. Now, a little more on emotional intelligence. It's important that you have self-awareness um, of not only your individual responses to things, but what triggers you and how you manage your emotions around it. But you also need social awareness, empathy, uh, awareness of what's going on in your organization. You need to have self-management of your own, managing, managing your own energy, but also helping others manage theirs, and developing others with inspiration, and helping to control conflict. All of that is part of emotional intelligence. So it's not just about you, it's about you can help others. Now, when we talk about conversational leadership, 
we're talking about good language that helps people really get the point. A conversation is not complete unless the other person received the message you intended to send. We make a lot of errors in conversation because we put the conversation out there, but we never bother to wait and see or explore how it was received on the other end. Think of that game telephone I'm sure you played when you were a child. Somebody started a conversation and it went through a chain of people whispering in each other's ears. And by the time it got to the end, it was nothing like what the person who started it said. And that can happen in a simple conversation between two people. It can happen in a way that whatever you said, however you said it, whatever tone you used, that other person used that ladder of conclusions to make stuff up and hear something completely different than what you said based on their frame of reference and where they're coming from. So an important rule in a good conversation is to check in with the other person and make sure they actually heard what you intended them to hear. Very important. Remember that conversations shouldn't have any judgment. They should be open. You should be seeking to learn and understand, not to have an agenda and push your own conversation. That's a level one or a level two conversation, not where we're going. We want to have conversations that allow for people to express themselves without fear of ridicule or judgment or criticism. We want them to be in a position to say whatever they need to say or want to say, even if it's something that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. The gift you give someone when you listen is the ability to be heard. And it's so, so important. So make sure that when you're doing your conversations, you're not falling into some of the blind spots that we all fall into. And we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the five conversational blind spots that most of us fall into that prevent us from actually having a good, solid conversation where we are connecting with the other person and they are receiving the message that we intended to send. And we'll be right back. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. Are you ready to consistently be in the flow of success? Build an abundant business, easily find your right clients, and feel good inviting them into your community to do business with you? If your answer is yes, then you'll want to listen to Business Success with Human Design with Nancy O'Keefe on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Thursday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time. 
Business Success with Human Design is a podcast designed to help you peel back the layers of who you've been taught to be and how you've been told to do business, moving you from overwhelm to a business model that aligns with your authentic self and feels right for you. Come and explore human design for business with Nancy. Are you searching for a way to help create global change? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's vision is to have an eclectic group of radio hosts dedicated to educating, enlightening, and helping humankind with positive messages and tools that enhance lives using different modalities and programs. If you would like to join our team and help illuminate the universe, call Deborah at 508-226-1723 or Deborah at DreamVision7Radio.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Okay, welcome back. This is Business Success with Human Design, and I'm your host, Nancy O'Keefe, and we're talking about good conversations today. And I promise to share with you the five conversational blind spots that most of us have. So let's start in with those. The first one is assuming that everyone thinks exactly like you do. An assumption that others see and feel what we see and feel and think what we think. And that is not true. So that's where emotional intelligence comes in. You have to really get into the mind of someone else and understand where they're coming from by listening and feeling what they're feeling. Blind spot number two is that feelings don't change your reality. Well, we talked about that ladder of conclusion and how when we make stuff up, you know, we get these biochemical reactions that generate feelings and we make stuff up, tell ourselves stories and we get ourselves into a frenzy Feelings do change your reality. The failure to realize that fear and lack of trust changes how we see and interpret things. This is about bias and judgment. And it can come because we have a past experience that feels similar. It can come from some conditioning from trauma in our childhood. It can come from a lot of different places. But the important thing is to recognize that you have feelings and it may change your perception of reality, and it may change it in a not so positive way. So you need to be aware of that blind spot. Blind spot number three, I can still be empathetic when I'm fearful. No, again, emotional intelligence, an inability to stand in each other's shoes when we are fearful or upset. When you're focused in on your feelings and all the stuff you made up about it, you're not going to be able to really see the other person's point of view. You're not going to be able to stand in their shoes and be open and empathize with them because you're in fear. So be aware of that. Blind spot number four, I remember, therefore I know. The assumption that we remember what others say when actually what we remember is what we think about what the other person says. Let me repeat that because this is a good one. We don't remember what the other person said. We actually remember what we think about what the other person said. So we use that ladder of conclusions and we came up with something that may or may not be what the other person said. 
And that's what we're depending on as our assumption. This is judgment. This is not good. So we all do this. So you have to watch out that you're not putting a lot of meaning around things that really isn't there. And finally, conversational blind spot number five is I'm listening, so I actually know what you really mean. The assumption here is that meaning resides in the speaker, when in fact, meaning resides in how you hear it. The listener is the one that establishes the meaning. This is impacted by bias, judgment, and fear. Again, this is, I don't really hear what you said. I hear what I think you said or what I made up around what you said. So as the sender of the communication, you have to check in with the listener and make sure what they heard is really what you said. Very, very important. Those are five powerful blind spots that we all suffer from at one time or another. So what can you do about it? There's a mental exercise you can do about it that I'm gonna share with you right now. First of all, Look at your perspective. Just quickly think, what's your perspective? What's going on in your world around this? What's the most important thing for you around this issue? What are you most concerned about? Those are the things you need to cement in your mind and be honest with yourself. Don't say it's for the good of the office when in fact, it's a territorial issue for you. Make sure you're honest with yourself. Then practice a little emotional intelligence and try to think about what the other person's perspective is. What's important to them? What are they thinking and feeling? What are they most concerned about? And if you can get a handle on that, then take a step back and look at the big picture and try and understand what's going on in the situation. What's the same and what's different? What's the most important thing that's going on, the biggest concern that everybody has? And finally, if you take all of those considerations into your mind and think about them, what do you notice now? What new insight do you have that you didn't have before you looked at the other person's perspective and stepped back and look at the whole situation? How has this changed things for you? Are you able to come up with a new insight and a new perspective before you have the conversation with this person? Now, this sounds like a lot of steps. But it's really just two questions to ask yourself, two or three questions to ask yourself about the other person, and two or three questions to ask yourself about the situation, which you can do in probably 30 seconds. It's a good exercise to practice because it takes a lot of the feelings and the emotions out of what you're going to say next. And it gives you the opportunity to exercise some emotional intelligence, some empathetic um, talk and speak. And finally, I want to talk about purposeful leadership. Uh, we defined leadership as making a difference. And you do that in a variety of different ways. If you're somebody who um, encourages, you might encourage people, inspire them, that might be your leadership style. You might fire them up with passion. Maybe you're somebody who's a take charge person. Maybe you're somebody who is like dependable and just people can just automatically trust you because they know that that's the kind of person you are. <laughs> Maybe you help the group stay on schedule. 
Maybe you are somebody who st stays back in the background until you have something really important to say. There's a lot of different styles of leadership. You'll better understand yours if you know your human design. But it's really important to know that there are many styles and people express leadership in different ways. Some people are out front leading the pack leaders. Some people are hang back and do it from behind influencers. Uh, so it's, it's important to understand where you fall and understand others. Now, why is it important to have good conversation? Well, if you want to get your point across, obviously it's important for that. But we also want to talk about um, your teams and your work groups and why good communication is important there. Because you want to have a high-powered, high-functioning team. And they have clear goals that are defined, clearly communicated, and clearly understood. And they have skills, experience, energy, and motivation that's needed to complete whatever project they're working on. That's the definition of a high-powered, high-functioning team. Well, what can go wrong with a team? If you don't identify with the team, that can be a problem. You won't participate. If there's somebody on the team that's exercising too much power or authority, that can be a person who's not really compassionate or understanding others or being open to others. There can be a lack of respect for people or ideas or opinions, different work styles, different communication styles, and all this can create conflict. So it can result in maybe too many ideas or direction changes and the team never really gels. Conflicts might arise because people have different ideas or different ways of doing things. Some team members might feel like their input doesn't matter or the feedback is nitpicky. Or we get stuck on perfectionism instead of making progress. Or maybe the ideas have gotten stale or team members are bored and not engaged. Or maybe the project doesn't stay on track. All of these can happen when we don't have what I call good team diversity. We need good team balance. We need some of everybody on all of these teams. So your team should be big enough to be balanced um, and have all of what you need. You need to have people that are innovative and creative, like the manifestors. You need to have people that are passionate and you know able to be uh, to draw people into their ideas and are the worker bees that get things done, like the generators. You need to have people that are, um, you know, understanding how we make progress, understanding the difference between perfectionism and just getting the right solutions that we need. So we need to have people that have that in their chart. We want to have people that are detail oriented and that are you know, have the ability to keep the rest of us on time and on track and not missing at, missing anything. So we need to have people with, those, with that in their chart. So it's important to have good diversity. You need to have innovation. You need to have passion. You need to have power, but not too much. You need to have prestige so things are done with quality. You need to have trust so things are done at all. And you need to have people that are looking at the big picture and people that are also looking at the details. You need a balanced blend. If you don't have those things, people can not have any personal identity with the team. 
There can be too much power and authority exercise that turns everybody off or creates conflict. There can be a lack of respect. No recognition for different work styles or different communication styles. And that can lead to conflict. And all of that can lead to missed goals and schedules. So I recommend that people do a little bit of a SWOT analysis on their teams and their work groups. SWOT stands for strengths, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities, or rather opportunities and threats, SWOT. So your strengths are your advantages. What, do you, what does the team have going for them? Based on the team's overall strengths, what are the advantages that they bring to the table? And what are their weaknesses? What are they missing? Is there anything missing on the team? Of all the things that we talked about, is there no passion? Is there no innovation? Those are areas of weaknesses. Maybe we have too much authority. So those are internal things to the team. Then beyond that, we have opportunities which are external. What is out there that could be an opportunity for this team or help them? solve their problem or whatever they're working on. And then another outside influence is what are the threats? For example, the triggers. And you know what would happen if we don't meet the goal? Would management disband the team? So there's you know a lot of things to consider. And if you use the SWOT analysis, strengths, your internal strengths, weaknesses, your internal weaknesses, opportunities, your external opportunities to solve the problem. Remember, every problem, the flip side is an opportunity. And finally, the external threats that exist that might keep the team from doing what they need to do. That will help you understand if your team has good communication, good balance, planned diversity, and is really going to get the best result possible. So the success formula is about connection, a trusted relationship, good communication that opens people up and includes them, confidence to feel like you're wanted and your opinion is of interest and respected, and that requires a general caring, a general caring of what's going on in your team. So communication is very, very important, and we want to be sure that we keep it open for everyone. So many times we have situations where fear comes in and creates a situation for us that doesn't allow us to act in the best interest of ourself or in the best interest of our team. So we wanna be in a position where we are coming from a place of really caring, listening, and wanting to solve the problem, even if the solution doesn't go our way. We have to be willing to let go of what we want and what we think is the right way to go. Because when you put a number of heads together, often you get a better result. It may not be your result, but in the end, it may be a better result. So it's important to be thinking about those things when you're working together with other groups. Now, one final thing I'll say about conversations is that you really need to be in a position to 
exercise this. And it's a good idea to have a little session and define what good conversations are. This has given you a little taste. But in your work groups and teams, if you get together and have a discussion about what makes a good conversation, let everybody chime in and say what they think, that's going to help you establish some ground rules. And that right away will give you a little bit more trust in your um, in your teams. So that's a, a really good way to go. There's a great tool that I use to help teams build <coughs> that isn't human design. Uh, it's called the Fascination Advantage. It's a little um, quiz you take. And at the end, it gives you some really insightful information into what the advantages are that you bring as a as a person into your team. And it's great for team building. I'm probably going to do an episode on that at some point in the future. But it really um, helps you understand not only what you bring to the table, but what others people people bring to the table so that you can make use of it, respect it. Uh, nobody has all of the answers. We really need to collaborate. That's why we need good conversation. Because when you collaborate, you're going to get the point of view, the experience, the education of somebody else, which is going to be different than yours. It's a fresh perspective. And you can't have too many different perspectives. It's important to get a really sound way of looking at things based on what everybody thinks and not just what you think. You don't have all the answers. You might think you do, but then you'll be in the tell, sell, yell world. Um, and you won't be in the world where people are open and creating together transformational conversations that really can make a difference because there's something that people can really open up to and become a part of and contribute to in a way that they can't contribute when they're closed down. So get in the business of opening people up with your energy by being authentic, being yourself and sharing things openly and vulnerably, not rushing to get to the meat of the conversation, but giving everybody a chance to get to know each other and be in a position to learn to trust one another. So that's creating successful conversations. I hope you enjoyed this episode and it opened up your eyes to where you might be closing people down or being perceived as a threat. And you will be able to take this information forward and improve your conversations with your uh, people around you that you love, as well as people around you that you work with. Thank you for joining Business Success with Human Design with Nancy O'Keefe every Thursday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Join Nancy next time to discover how you can get in the ease and flow of life and out of business overwhelm with human design. Business owners spend a lot of energy conforming to the rules of business. Nancy shows us how to pursue your business based on who you were born to be and how you were born to serve for the ultimate success. To connect with Nancy O'Keefe, go to nancyokeefecoaching.com. That's nancyokeefecoaching.com.